Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The wellness breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the wellness guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the country place. 10 acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17 to 19. It's each and every single one of you are gonna support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Wonderful listeners, thank you so much for joining us on Wellness Women Radio this week. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And we are welcoming all our new listeners. Thank you for joining us. I had a few emails in the last few weeks and uh, we know that there's a few things that are hitting the mark, so keep listening on. Today, we're going to talk about something that, look, a lot of you may think that it doesn't necessarily affect you. However, this is a fancy word uh, that's gaining more and more traction, and you're going to hear it around a lot more if you haven't already. And there'll be a lot of women listening right now who've actually already done testing in this zone, um, in this area of their health, because they've heard of it and, they, and they've explored this area further. And what we're talking about today is methylation. So I think if you can s- stick with us today, we're going to do methylation 101, aren't we, Andrea? Because this is a really, really big topic and I don't think yeah. that, uh, 30 to 35 minutes is going to do it justice at all, but we're going to try and keep it as simple as possible. This is really for those of you listening who kind of know a little bit about it or maybe this is brand new and you've never heard about it before. This will start to explore a little bit about what methylation is, what it does in your body, how it applies to the processes of, of biochemistry involved in the functions of your health and well-being, and some of the things you need to know about the problems that you might see from it and some of the things you need to do in order to help correct that. And we're going to have a, a run through of that uh, today. Andrea, what is it about methylation that is so important that people start to understand? Uh, look, I think you're absolutely right that it is definitely a bit of a buzzword and certainly a hype at the moment. Um, I know that I see stacks of women coming in um, telling me their MTHFR results, um, you know, maybe that they're heterozygous or homozygous for, you know, that particular um, gene or pathway, which if you've had that and if you're doing that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't, just bear with this because we're going to go into this a bit more. Now, we're going to try and break down the biochemistry of what actually happens in methylation today and keep things like 
like you said, as simplistic as we possibly can. We're going to do many follow-ups on this topic because it is so important because if you're simply living and and breathing, then you're methylating um, and that means that this is affecting your health. So we're going to talk about the things that really influence it. We're going to talk about, you know, lots of other things on another topic or sorry, on another podcast. So today, just bear with us. Um, It's a bit of a nerdy topic and we haven't gone really deep into, you know, our biochemical processes in a little while. So I'm, I'm excited, but I think we're out of practice on getting this nerdy, Ash. So um, bear with us. But uh, all right, let me tell you why it's so important. So methylation is a process that takes place um, more than a billion times a second in your body. So it's one of the most important biochemical processes for long-term health. Um, and like I said, if you're living, breathing, moving, then you're methylating. So this is not something that you can start or stop or control. It's just one of those biochemical processes that happens. And just bear with me for a second while I explain that. It's when one tiny little molecule passes what's called a methyl group, which is just one carbon atom that's linked to three hydrogen atoms and then links it to another molecule. So it's a pretty basic biochemical process, but let me try and explain it to you in in a better way. And I wish I could take credit for this, but I can't. But the best way it's been sort of analogized to me is that methylation is almost like putting a tag or a work order on a gene or on a vitamin or on, you know, a chemical process. So it's like the body puts a little tag on that that says, okay, this has to go through that little cog that is the methylation process, which will then change the way that that gene or that vitamin is expressed and used. Does that kind of make sense? Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, following along. So, yeah, it flags something, tags something, and then that tells the the body that we need to methylate and it changes the function or activates or deactivates or changes the biochemistry. Yeah, exactly. And so this is really important for our individual gene expression. It's important for our immune function, our brain function, our certainly our gut function, as is is everything, um, our nervous system. Uh, it's even important for our mood expression as well and our detoxification pathways. And it also can predispose us to all sorts of diseases and conditions because of the way it's expressing or tagging or putting work orders on these genes. Um, it also helps to repair your DNA on a daily basis. So it's part of that process. Um, It controls what's called homocysteine, which is just a compound that can damage blood vessels as well. So, you know, it's really important to to remember that too. Um, It helps to recycle molecules that we need for detoxification. So for some people, they will detox a lot better than others purely because of how their methylation is is working um, in that particular kind of work order. Um, It also keeps, you know, your energy levels optimum. It affects your metabolism. Um, So if you're, you know, not losing weight or you're having issues with exercise tolerance, methylation is is all involved in these sorts of things. Um, Yeah, that's a whole bunch of stuff. It's pretty important. (laughs) And so look, there's a a wide variety of conditions that can be connected to. So this is why we say, um, how do you know if you've got a methylation issue? The spectrums of situations that could be 
I guess, a reflection of methylation issues are so vast. I'm just going to give you a rundown because I want you to understand why we say this is involved in everything, every single system of the body. I mean, it's linked to things like diabetes, fibromyalgia, so neurologic conditions, anything that's involving schizophrenia, sort of psychosocial behavioral issues, dementia, Alzheimer's, anxiety, um, bipolar, make depression. These are actual, there's so much literature now showing that methylation defects are a key issue in these neurologic conditions. It can show up with things mm. just like chronic pain in the body. It could be generalized, globalized joint pain and, and poor recovery from exercise and activity, uh, soreness from sport. And you say, well, hang on, how could I possibly know if it's a methylation issue? And that's the key today is to say, well, we don't know. And you can't know either. The key is to work out, okay, well, could this be a problem? Could it be behind some of these symptoms or signs that I've been getting that I'm not getting answers for? And I've tried this, I've tried that, I've done this, I've done that, and I still seem to be having persistent or um, worsening situation in my health. This mm -hmm. is an area to investigate because until you rule this out as a problem, you may never find the problem because it's there in every biochemical interaction <laughs> in your body. So it is just so important and it's gaining traction. It's certainly gaining a lot of traction in science and uh, investigation, research and studies because they've just started to realise just how far-reaching uh, the defect could be on your overall health and well-being, and, and how often we're getting wrong diagnoses because it's uh, just not looked for. We, we didn't know how to investigate for it. And look, it happened all because of the fact that, you know, Decades ago, we had the Human Genome Project. We sequenced all those genes. We found out all of these incredible things about genetics. And then we realized that only 40% of our expression is from genes itself. The rest of it is what we call epigenetics, and that's the environmental triggers on genes. And a great uh, way of explaining that is to say that the, our genes are our, is like a gun and the epigenetics or the environment is the actual trigger for that gun. So this is why it's so important to tie together understanding of genetics, but it's not the sole underlying cause of these problems, including the issues in regards to this. It's also possible that uh, methylation is affected by environmental factors as well. Yeah, definitely. So it affects our gene expression. So the way that we're actually activating or switching on or off those genes, which is kind of so it's why it's so intimately linked with our epigenetics. Um, and I just want to backtrack to what you said about the, the mood disorders in particular, Ash, because the, I want to, I really want our listeners to understand why methylation is so important uh, in things like schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, bipolar, all of those sorts of mood um, or neurological conditions. And it's because of methylation's role in, uh, I'm going to get sick of saying methylation in this episode. <laughs> You're going to hear it, you know, 5 million times, but it's because methylation is so involved with our brain and nervous system function in the sense that it actually stabilizes and replenishes our neurotransmitters. And our neurotransmitters act like little um, kind of chemical messengers um, in the sense that they help send a signal from, from one nerve pathway or one synapse 
to the next to kind of carry on that message. And we've got a whole bunch of different neurotransmitters. Some of them are involved in, you know, waking up and exciting our nervous system. Some of them are important for calming our system down. Uh, and, you know, I'm talking about things like glutamate and GABA, whereas there's other things like, you know, dopamine and serotonin, which are involved in our sense of reward, um, you know, that, that feel-good, happy neurotransmitter. So if methylation or particular methylation pathways are not working I'll, to replenish or stabilize those neurotransmitters, that's why you can have a higher prevalence for things in particular like bipolar. And there's been a lot of research um, recently that is showing that direct link between methylation pathways um, that are not working as well as what they should be and that predisposition to those um, those diseases. And this neurotransmitter synthesis, uh, which is the building up and the degradation breaking down is just so important um, and it's a really important role in things like improving our stress resilience and stress is physical and mm. emotional so this is why when you've got a, a defect in methylation pathways um, stress is just such a, a relevant issue and that stress is then becoming damaging to your body and that's why you know stabilization of moods is really challenging stress resilience is poor uh and yeah this is it's really hard to understand why this is so important because you think well hang on <laughs> if it's in everything but it's the same thing of asking like why is it important to breathe it just is <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like it, and, it um, just is what you're referring to there is the COMT methylation pathway, which Certainly. means you can't recover from stressful events as, mm. say, someone who doesn't have that predisposition. So if you do have that predisposition to see, or you're positive to COMT, um, that means you don't metabolize stressful chemicals or all those neurotransmitters as effectively as someone who doesn't have that mutation. So that can be why you feel the effects of stress so much more. And when someone's telling you to just get over it, you can't just get over it or your body's not recovering, you know, your poor little adrenal system from some sort of stressful event or stressful cascade because that's not the way your body's designed right now. Um, but remember that there is certainly ways to, to maximize this information once you know it. Um, and it's almost like kind of hacking your own, your own genes or a genetic or genetic sort of coding so that it can work with your lifestyle. Um, yeah, but it's the, this whole process is so, so complicated. So I hope you're keeping up with us so far. <laughs> um, Let's talk a little bit more about, I guess, the, the physiological processes that we might see that show up in practice. So I know we kind of mentioned some of the ones in particular to do with the brain and the nervous system function, and that is some of those psychological conditions um, or psychi psychiatric conditions uh, that, that some people might have. Um, but some of the other things in, in particular, like Ash, what you're talking about was energy and metabolism. So the signs and symptoms are so vague and so ambiguous that it's impossible to pinpoint that, oh, yes, that's absolutely a methylation issue. But when you've covered all your other bases or you've tested for this, then it really helps you to understand why that's a problem. So in particular, like I said, energy metabolism, so leading to things like fatigue, exercise intolerance, pain, particularly chronic pain, like you were mentioning, um, fibromyalgia. Um, but there's also, you know, gut issues 
that can be affected by methylation mutations or, um, you know, changes in, in those uh, pathways there. Uh, bacterial overgrowths, chronic inflammation, all of that can be predisposed as well. Um, like we mentioned before, your, your detoxification capacity, so our ability to remove toxins from our system and get rid of them, um, including things like your high heavy metal burden. So for some people, if they do heavy metal testing, and this can be true for uh, people in the same family as well, why some people are more sensitive to heavy metals within the same family, within the same exposure than others. And it kind of helps to explain everything along that pathway too. Um, and also our immune system um, and our immune function is very much uh, affected by methylation. So there's been a couple of research papers just recently that support this idea that poor methylation um, and autoimmune conditions are actually intimately linked. So what which comes first, the chicken or the egg, is this predisposing us to that? Um, those, are, those are kind of the major systems that are involved, but I kind of think that that probably includes most of them, right? <laughs> um, you know, your immune system, your detoxification pathways, your, you know, your liver, kidney function, um, your brain and your nervous system, you know, some pretty damn important uh, pathways that, or those, you know, biochemical processes that your body's doing. Um, so it's definitely worth thinking about this, particularly if you do have any kind of chronic health issues that you haven't been able to nail, or maybe you've been working with your health practitioners or your functional health practitioners for a long time, and you haven't got to the point where it's like nothing is changing as effectively or as long lasting as what it should be with the amount of effort that you're putting in. 100%. And I think it's probably uh, a lot of people want to know, well, okay, so if methylation is a problem for me, is it just because there's a genetic link? Is it just because I've got bad genes? Or is there something I'm doing that could be causing it? And I think it's important to go through a couple of the things that can actually interfere mm. with methylation pathway. Um, because when you start to see how that, that lifestyle environmental stuff impacts it, it may be possible to alter a couple of the little things you're doing in a day-to-day lifestyle that could straight away start to improve your methylation pathway just by eliminating the stressful points of uh, environment. Um, I mean, there's, do- there's literally dozens of things. Certainly vitamin mineral all deficiencies can have a really big impact, particularly in B vitamin groups. Um, mm-hmm. Zinc, absolutely. Poor diet is really tricky to assess because a lot of people don't consider themselves having a, a poor diet um, because they're eating whole foods, real foods, just like we talk about all the time. Strangely mm-hmm. enough, this is the contradiction. And, and you've heard us actually, I think last episode, we were talking about uh, removing grains from the diet, going gluten-free. And yet some people, the strange consequence of that is that it can then become low in B6 from lack of grain intake. So, and that interferes Mm -hmm. with methylation pathway. So this is where the confusion comes in because people go, yeah, but hang on. So if I'm gluten-free, I could actually be making this worse. We don't know. You have to, you, you, ha- you have yeah. to get tested. You have to get tested yeah. for it. You know, like and you can. Uh, sorry, Ash, you can certainly get really good levels of B six from things like your leafy greens, beans, fruit. Um, you know, whole grains is oh, one of those sources, definitely. Absolutely. Um, but you're absolutely right. This is why it's postulating that argument for and against. You know, gluten. Um, but, you know either being gluten-free or not. Um, yeah, I only addressed that because that was a question I had from one of my clients who said, Look, yeah. but hang on, I was told that it's grains are important because it can improve it because I'm getting more B, B6 from that. So I was like, oh, actually, and that got me thinking, well, hang on, is 
one, is there alternative sources? And two, is it essential? Um, so yeah, just mention it because I just want to show you that, yes, we're aware of some of the contradictions. Um, yes. And that's that's probably what I want you guys to listen in and, and understand is that we're aware of some of these contradictions. And the reason that's occurring is because this science is relatively new and rapidly evolving. So chances mm. are, you know, 12 months from now, we'll have this conversation again and we'll have another chat and things will have changed again and we'll have some different, you know, info, some better studies, some changes in, in the advice we give because we're going to try and stay up to date on this as well as possible. But certainly the foundations are there already. We certainly know things like a lot of stress in an environment, uh, you know, physically, chemically, emotionally is causing problems with methylation pathways. We certainly know exposure to me- heavy metals is causing problems. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly certain things like... Oh, look, there's lots of different medications and drugs that do. Um, mm-hmm. Medications that deplete it could be such as... Well, Things like... Well, um, I mean, obviously, methotrexate is straight up the one that steals <laughs> methyl groups. I mean, that's that's yeah. an obvious one because it's in the name. Um, Which is that catch-22 because methotrexate is used for things like cancer and arthritis but also autoimmune conditions and mm-hmm. if you're, you know, have issues with methylation, then that's a pre, uh, you know, disposition possibly to autoimmune conditions. Then they're putting on methotrexate, which may be exacerbating that whole, you know, cycle. It's, it's insanity. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to be on methotrexate, but it's like, you know, where do you start with this information? The, once you go down that rabbit hole, it's sort of, um, kind of blows your mind as to if you pull on that thread, how far (laughs) the things unravel. So this is why, especially when we were preparing for this episode, uh, ladies, it was the depth of information that we have filtered through to try and you know, put this episode together today to keep it 101, just keep it, uh, Yeah, yeah. And we know that not a lot of you need that. Um, but, I think it's it's good for us as well just to try and make it in as simplistic, you know, easy, digestible information as best we can. Um, but, yeah, anyway, back to the medications. <laughs> because it's important because there's a lot of other medications ladies are taking just as regular sort of uh, prescription medications and they had no idea or have no idea that there's an interaction there. Metformin, for example, in the treatment of polycystic ovaries and other, you know, metabolic conditions. Um, antacids, lowering stomach acid, uh, anything that's an acid blocker, proton pump inhibitors such as things for mental health corticosteroids so anytime you've had you know maybe skin allergies or inflammation and taking corticosteroids or anything that contains estrogen so your oral contraceptive pills these are all things that you may be taking that are directly into fact interacting and depleting the nutrients involved in methylation pathways so it's and i don't want to brush over that like that is so important ladies so if you're on the pill I want you to try and think about it this way. This is actually affecting your gene expression. This has the potential to affect your DNA if you're on the pill because of how it interferes with um, methylation. Like this is a big deal. <laughs> okay, and we can we can move on from that now that I've sort of stood on my soapbox again. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, and that's why that's why we're doing this because uh, we care about things that affect women's health, and it's yeah we couldn't not not cover this point eventually. Um, yeah. Which is another reason why go back to our episodes. We try and offer you solutions that give you options on possibly you know non. OCP, non-contraceptive pill, fertility management, things like that, because we know that if we can take away one thing, it could actually be so far-reaching. Um, mm-hmm. It's not just about fertility. It's about genetic expression too. But you can imagine if we dropped that bombshell in that episode, it would, just, <laughs> it would blow everyone's brain. So we're, we're trying to keep it uh, clean and simple. 
Okay, because um, look, I think all it comes down to is just so many Australians have so many nutrient deficiencies. So baseline Mm -hmm. starting point could just be figure out nutrient-wise. Excuse me, just a moment. (laughs) Okay, so Ash is just having a little coughing fit there, which is fine, so I'm just going to take over for a moment. And what we were talking about is the factors that actually affect your methylation processes. So um, we were talking about nutrient deficiencies and why that's the case, and in particular the B vitamins are really important. Um, One thing that we definitely encourage all of our um, patients and listeners to do is really look at whether or not if you're smoking, how important that is for you and whether or not this is something that you want to change because the carbon monoxide from cigarette smoke inactivates your B6 vitamins. So rather than going back onto gluten, you could simply just stop smoking and that would help the absorption of B6. Um, Ash also mentioned um, zinc and why that's really important. And zinc is actually a precursor to that hydrochloric acid that your stomach needs to make. Um, which really affects your digestive capacity. If we're not making enough stomach acid, then we're not able to absorb our B12 vitamins, which is going to affect that whole methylation pathway again. Um, so it's it's all, you know, everything works in, it's this very intricate machine. It's like a symphony orchestra that has to work um, all at perfect times and perfect rates to make sure that this incredible machine that you have works really, really well. And any other sort of medications, I know we, we rattled off a few there, but even things like Panadol, um, or your paracetamol can reduce your glutathione stores. And glutathione is really important for your immune system and your gut function, but again, very important in those methylation pathways. Um, so simple, you know, pain medication that you might not think twice about, just like you may not think twice about your oral contraceptive pill, can actually have long-term health effects for your own gene expression. Um, it, it's, you know, it's a fairly complicated process, but it has a lot of weight. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, and it's all, it's all connected to uh, how these things interact with us biochemically. And that's that's the, the gist of this whole episode is to say, look, methylation is a chemical process in the body. It affects every function in the body and it's affected by many things. So this is why you won't go home today and suddenly be able to fix it because mm-hmm. it's so complex that it requires the support of a health professional. And I really want to make this clear. I very, very strongly discourage people from just researching this online, listening to episodes, for example, like what we're talking about today and making assumptions about how to fix this problem. This is just so important to run the correct and appropriate testing to figure out the underlying cause of the concern at, at hand. And, uh, you know, we rattled off a couple of weird sort of um, acronyms before, like MTHFR. And uh, for those of you who don't know, that stands for methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase, hence why we're just using MTHFR, which is probably the most well-known methylation pathway that we're aware of. But there's also at least 12 other genes that are involved in methylation as well. Um, so, sorry, the MTHFR gene, it's not a methylation pathway, it's a gene that affects that. Um, so, and MTHFR is involved in methylfolate production in particular. But remember, there are a lot of other genes as well. So just having one of them tested may not be appropriate for you either. But uh, we'll get into that in a moment about how to actually measure or test for methylation and whether or not this is a problem for you. Um, But first, let's just kind of look at ways to optimize not necessarily your methylation process, but making sure that your absorption of particularly those B vitamins because of how intricately linked that is with that process. Um, And you know, just making sure that you've got that really good nutrient-dense diet, which is going to help, 
I guess, mitigate a lot of these issues anyway. Um, so there, there are a few steps to, I guess, optimise your methylation, but it has to be specific. So this is why testing is really important. But as a generalised guide, eating more dark leafy greens um, so things like, you know, your spinach, rocket kale, bok choy, um, watercress, you know, your beet greens, uh, those sorts of things um, are really abundant source of nutrients that can help to optimize that function. Um, and definitely getting more bees in your uh, diet. So, sorry, I don't mean bees like, you know, the, the animal bee, bee vitamins in your diet. Um, so your B6s, we lifted, we stood off some of those before. Um, your fish and eggs is really good for B6 and B12. Um, some animal products can really help with B12 um, assimilation. So long-term vegan and vegetarian diets can deplete your B12 stores. So just be conscious of that. Um, and again, you know, your dark leafy green vegetables, um, your almonds, liver, um, beans, walnuts, the whole works. Um, anything else you want to add to that list, Ash? I think that's pretty extensive. Nope, I'm good with that. I think that's a great list. I, I guess okay. the only thing I have to say there is that um, I've certainly been through some of the patients I've worked with is that people who can have a really, really great nutrient-dense, uh, rich B vitamin diet and the issue is not always necessarily they're not getting enough of it. They're actually not absorbing enough of it. So this is where yeah, it comes. Exactly. Come, yeah, So it comes back down to going, okay, so if you have any things like leaky gut or any issues re regarding impairing nutrients absorption, so maybe SIBO or um, low stomach acid, anything that's going to affect the ability of the gut to uh, break down and absorb nutrients can be causing the deficiencies. So therefore, Gut healing, as we've talked about before in multiple episodes, is just so, so important because the overlay there is that if the gut is not able to absorb the nutrients, then it doesn't matter how much you put in the system, it's not getting through. Yeah, exactly. Um, so your ability to absorb and assimilate nutrients is essential. Um, and at the same time, like we're saying that, good things that will help to boost up your B vitamins might be some sort of sources of animal protein. But then on the flip side, there's also research that shows that minimizing your animal protein, definitely as well as your sugar and your saturated fat, that that's a no brainer. Um, it can actually, you know, increase your homocysteine, which remember is something that affects um, our, our blood vessels. So too much animal protein is not a good thing. And too little is also not a good thing. So you need a bit of balance there, but we know that sugar and the toxic versions of fat is going to deplete your body's vitamin stores, which means that those work orders that your body's putting on different pathways are not going to work as effectively. Um, certainly things like caffeine and smoking interfere with your B vitamin levels. We already know that. We mentioned that before. Um, so just be really conscious of that. And also limiting your alcohol intake. They're saying that any more than three standard drinks a week, which for some people may not be a lot, or, you know, for me, that that is a lot, having three standard drinks in one week um but any more than that levels. and this is also because you're just talking about things oh sorry <laughs> it's okay don't, don't you then we just had a little little, little drop out there wasn't it yeah <laughs> um 
And this is also why one of the reasons why the oral contraceptive pill is a problem because it also depletes your B vitamins too. So it works on a couple of different factors there. Um, sorry, I thought we saying. Yeah, it was more – you were talking about some things there. and Interestingly, they're all connected to toxicity and the ability of the body to detoxify. So any impairment of the detoxification systems can lead you with that uh, sort of overburdened and therefore when you're overburdened in your detox system, it can also impair methylation. And there's so many different things that can do that. That. I mean, genetically, we haven't been programmed to deal with some of the modern chemicals that we're being exposed to. So it's very likely that we have not yet evolved in a way that allows us to well and adequately detoxify these things in an appropriate time frame. This is, um, again, why we talk about clean living or low-tox living because it's things like pesticides and um, uh, VOCs, volatile organic compounds, phthalates, things in plastics, BPAs, BPS, uh, mercury. This is obviously things that are already there in nature, but there's a lot of the synthetics that have been produced in recent times and our bodies are really struggling to eliminate those and any impairments we have because of possibly already additional impairment due to poor diet, poor lifestyle, smoking, alcohol and all those things. Mm -hmm. And this is when we just get overloaded. And unfortunately, our poor little system is no longer able to defend itself. Those mechanisms break down um, and some of the food toxins as well get thrown in there. And yeah, and it's a cocktail. And it's really the case with all of these environmental toxins. They just become overwhelming and the body shuts down and methylation shuts down. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's look at a couple of steps that you can use to actually measure your own methylation processes. So there's, you know, some very extensive testing that you can do. First things first, you may want to go to your functional health practitioner or to your GP um, and order to simply a complete blood count um, because there's a couple of things that they measure in there. One thing in particular with your red blood cells um, and they'll measure your MCV, which is your mean corpuscular value and anything greater than about 95 can signal a methylation problem. Also, if you're chronically low in iron, always, irrespective of maybe you've had iron supplementation before, you've had um, even iron infusions before, or you've got chronically low platelets, these are all signs that maybe those methylation processes are not working effectively. Um, you can also, via blood test, get your homocysteine levels checked. Um, this is a really, really important test, and it's a pretty simple one that they can do. Um, the normal level is less than 13, so over that is definitely a problem. Um, but ideal, we like to see sort of around the six to eight months mark. Um, and there's also some other urinary tests that you can order as well. These may not be routine that your GP will do. So you might need to speak to your functional health practitioner uh, to get these sorted out. Um, but you can measure your B12 sufficiency or insufficiency. You can also measure your specific um, urinary amino acids, um, which can look at how you're metabolizing things and will also pick up any sort of unusual metabolic disorders, including, um, you know, any B6 or B12 pathways. Um, so asking for those four things in particular, so a complete blood count, homocysteine levels, um, as well as your serum or urinary, um, and I might say this incorrectly, so uh, just uh, forgive me on that, it's methylmalonic acid um, and your specific urinary amino acids too. Um, so those are four things. However, you can do extensive genetic testing, which will also show these values too. Yeah, and on top of that, if you've done all those things and still haven't got sort of conclusive things, you also want to make sure some of the risk factors for methylation impairment are eliminated. So this could be things like um, heavy metal toxicity. So you might want to do some hair strand testing or testing for chronic infection as well. 
So this is um, this is why we say go and seek support, go through a systematic process to really find out the underlying concerns, and then there is where you can then start to address because there's definitely not a one-size-fits-all correction for this kind of problem. It's Everyone is very individual, just like our genetics are individual. We've got very mm-hmm. different uh, protocols for care and, and repair when it comes to methylation degradation or methylation impairment. Yeah, exactly. And then when you actually start to address some of these things, when you start to maybe uh, fix some of those little problems, you need to do it very carefully and you need to do it under the um, support or alongside the support of your functional health practitioner. Because, for example, if you're affecting some of those detoxification pathways and all of a sudden your body is detoxing a lot better than what it's been before, that can have serious implications for your health. Um, It can give you a whole host of different symptoms that maybe you've never experienced before that aren't pleasant uh so we'll go into all of these this information in another episode so it's definitely going to be a part two and three and, and most likely four as well all related to methylation um but if you've got any specific questions please let us know and we'll try and help you as best we can or we will try and refer you to someone in your area who may be able to help you with this um if you have uh, any information about your own methylation or methylating issues and you want to share those please make sure you do that on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Women. Make sure you're connecting with us on Instagram as well, which is underscore The Wellness Women. Uh, hit subscribe on iTunes or on, you know, whichever podcasting app that you're using. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us so that you get this uh, free episode into your little podcast program every Tuesday. Um, and make sure you're giving us five-star ratings as well because we really, really love those and they do make a big difference. Um, and feel free to leave your comments below there too. Well, that helps us reach more people and bring you listeners to uh, our show, which we can change more lives that way. So thank you so much as always for listening to us. Um, look, we're really grateful for you guys to tuning in. We know some of these topics are a bit, uh, a bit heavy, a bit intense and a, a bit of thinking is required, but thank you for getting all the way through to the end. We hope you have an amazing week and we look forward to chatting to you next week. Be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.